Welcome to the 2020 Knockers. Here are your hosts with more unique names than Keith Lee. It's Nestlemania and JC. Ladies and gentlemen, the time is here. It is ready to go. It's that time of year, folks. It is the 2020 Knockers. I am your host, of course, alongside the most fabulous man in podcast history, JC. I see you you dodged yourself up with your best t-shirt. Oh, yeah. F-A-B-U-L-O-U-S. I got my black tie on. I am fully dressed up. Hair is combed. I am ready to go for these wonderful nominees as we give out our 2020 Golden Knocker Awards. And JC, the, the question we always ask is, who could possibly bring home a set of Golden Knockers? We have a lot of good nominees this year and some new categories, of course, some of the old categories, but WrestleMania, I'm pumping Jack. Let's get right to it. Well, ladies and gentlemen, you heard the stylings of Michael P. Downing. He is here to give you every category and nominee, and we're going to throw it off right now to Michael with our first category. Super hot fire moment of the year. Edge returns at the Royal Rumble. McIntyre eliminates Lesnar from the Rumble. Otis gets the girl at WrestleMania. Roman Reigns' surprise return at SummerSlam. This is the shiniest of all shines of categories. As Michael just said, the super hot fire moment of the year. We have some great nominees. 2020 may not have been the best year in general, but wrestling still gave us some great moments. And, uh, you know, I'm looking at these. It's tough because the Edge return at the... The Royal Rumble popped on lie, baby. Like, what the heck? But also in that same match, the moment of McIntyre eliminating Lesnar after what he just going through everyone. Boom, boom, boom. That was amazing. Obviously, you know, the one near and dear to our heart. Otis getting the girl at WrestleMania. It would have been much sweeter, obviously, with the crowd. But having the kiss with the fireworks in the background was beautiful. And then, of course, the new Roman Reigns returning at SummerSlam WrestleMania. What a moment. We weren't really expecting it, especially the way it went down. And it's led to a lot of fun stuff here on the back half of 2020. So let's break this down. Are we going to go uh, me than you? Or like, I, there's a lot of things I have to think about here when I'm thinking about what I'm going to give my golden knocker away to. Whatever you want to do, man. The, the world is your oyster here in the knocker world. I don't like oysters. You know that. I'm a clam guy. Anyway, let's move on. I think I'm looking at these four, and I think they're very, very, very good. Right? They're, they're, they're all So they're all worthy of a knocker. But here's what I'm going to say. Roman Reigns, yeah, it was out of nowhere. But I don't necessarily think it's the moment of the year. So to me, you're out of here. Four. You're out of here. Otis, Otis getting the girl, I loved it. Thought it was great. But as we said on this program months ago, if it was at WrestleMania in front of 90,000 people with, you know, the kiss and the fireworks, would have been the moment of the year, maybe, possibly, potentially. But it's not. Get that out of here. So we're down to Edge, and we're down to the Mac. Now, here's where you and I may differ, JC. I don't know. Edge, yes, has been gone forever comes back after a huge monumental problem with his neck and his back. And I'm not going to finish the rest of that rap. So what I'm going to say is, Edge, as much as I love you, as much as I think it's great, I don't necessarily think it is my super hot fire moment of the year because here's the plain and simple reason. I kind of had a feeling Edge was going to show up. I had no fucking reason to believe the Mac was going to do anything important in the Royal Rumble yet become the reason to win the Royal Rumble and eliminate Brock Lesnar. It jumped. I jumped out of my seat. I thought to myself, now that's a moment I can remember for the rest of my life because it was a monumental moment for me because I didn't see it coming. No pun intended to the, Royal, to the uh, Roman Reigns thing. But for me, I'm giving the Mac 
my first golden knocker because I legitimately marked out for that moment. Eh, Ron Choice, WrestleMania, Pop, don't lie. Do you know how many times I rewatched that Red Edge clip? It was freaking amazing with him coming down. Like, you could just see on his face, like, how much it meant to him. To me, like, yeah, we, we had ideas that it was coming. We also had ideas that McIntyre was going to win the freaking Royal Rumble. So, you know, it's one of those things where when I think of a moment, even if I know it's coming and it still feels that special, that edge moment is something I'll never forget because we thought it was over. I'll always picture it. Like I said, I think that is my most watched clip probably from 2020. So for me, without a doubt, edge returning at the Royal Rumble gets my golden knocker for super moment of the year. Well, apparently I'm wrong because if you look at the staff vote, uh, you also voted for edge returning for the Royal Rumble. So clearly... Pop don't lie, Nestle don't know. So that's exactly how it is. <laughs> so <laughs> that's unfortunately what it is. Anyway, let's get to our next category. Maggle. Best story. Drake Maverick earns new contract after release. The Mandy and Otis love story. Keith. <laughs> Keith. <laughs> Keith Lee. Keith Lee overcoming all. Keith Lee having a boring name. Reigns, Jey Uso, Family Matters. JC, there have been plenty of amazing stories this year in any brand, really, but now we're down to the final four. We've got Drake Maverick earning a contract after he got his release, the love of Mandy and Otis, and of course Keith Lee coming overcoming every odd. I don't know really if that's really going to be the thing we're talking about, as the Michael P. Downing definitely did not enjoy that man. And uh, Roman Reigns and Jey Uso, Family Affair. So, I'm curious, JC... Seeing though these are very four stellar categories, four you know good great nominees. Um, where are you headed? This was pretty easy for me. Um, you know, there was obviously like we talked about twenty twenty, kind of like the rebirth, especially in WWE of stories and really good storylines. But for me, there's really one that just like took the cake because I loved it from start to finish. It has been building for years, and it really paid off amazingly this year. And that is the Mandy Rose Otis love story, without a doubt, one hundred percent is the best story for me in 2020. I absolutely love the journey it took me on. It made me become a fan of Otis, the guy that, you know, I was never really a huge fan was of, but the Mandy Otis love story, without a doubt, gets my golden knocker. That is the most dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. What? Dumbest Are you thing. kidding me? This best was story. the best story of 2020. No, it, it wasn't. It the greatest story in No, all it time. wasn't. Look, 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 look. Look, I'll tell you why. Here we go. Ready? I'm not going to say this is it, but Drake Maverick crying in that promo was better than anything Mandy and... Otis could manufacture. That was good, but that was not anywhere near that man had, level that, that man That man gave me goosebumps, so that one's better than this one. I don't know about Keith Lee. Hey. Over, Keith Lee, eh, whatever. It is what it is. Keith Lee can do his Yoda wisdom, whatever. But to me... TG and I did all the nominees. This was the one that we gave him was his little Keith Lee double champion stuff. So. Okay, okay. So first off, let, let's... Before I get into anything else, let's give a round of applause to our boy TJ because he did... Yeoman's work with JC here, getting all these nominees and everything ready and filed down from a, an enormous list all year round. So he is our BCS guy. He does a lot of great work. He also is an NXT guy. So I think this is probably where I heard his feelings an awful lot and say, Keith Lee had a moment with confetti. It was great. However, to me, the best story of the year is the continuation of the story that we're listening to right now is Jay Uso and Roman Reigns Family Matters because it's only going to get bigger. It's only going to get better. And I know that, yes, I am slightly fatigued by Jay Uso, but you can't tell me that you don't love heel Roman Reigns. You can't tell me that heel Roman Reigns is going to move the meter because 
Otis and Mandy will not move the meter. Keith Lee is on Raw, slightly potentially moved. Whoa, 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 Otis and Mandy was the hottest thing in wrestling for like six months, bro. Mm, are you kidding me? I don't me? know about that. Well, what have we talked about? The last month we've been complaining about how boring this Roman Reigns Jey Uso crap is. It was hot for like a month. That's not the best story at all. Oh my God, get out of here. No, listen, you're wrong because the staff picked. <laughs> Fake news. The staff picked, put it on the board for Nestlemania. Yeah, my well, my golden knocker is correct. Yours is wrong. The staff is wrong a lot. What did you just say? Is wrong a lot because I'm always right. So when they pick against me, they're wrong. What a heel turn. That might have been no. the story of the year. Your heel <laughs> turn. No. Mandy Otis' love story is my golden knocker. You're giving it to Roman Reigns because you want to sniff his jaw. That's Next. not... Rivalry of the year. Cody versus MJF. Randy Orton versus Edge. Mandy Rose versus Sonya Deville. Seth Rollins versus the Mysterio family. So there have been a lot of great rivalries of the year. And I, I mean, we have it narrowed down to four. Um, we have, eh, in my opinion, it's kind of tilted in the WWE, but there are a lot of good AEW things as well. Uh, the one that stands out here is, you know, Cody and MJF. Randy and Edge, your girl Mandy and uh, Sonya, and then, of course, Seth Rollins and the Mysterio family. I would like to say, as much as I loved... Cody and MJF. It feels like that was more last year than this year. Like that was the that was the biggest thing for me last year. Like that, I thought that was crazy big. It definitely. Crazy. So when we were putting these together, we obviously we we fact check Eric, and it started at the very very end, but it pretty much dominated the first couple months of 2020. And it was this, and then it was Moxley Jericho were the two storylines. They they started right around actually like this time, maybe like a week or so before. So it was like the very end. But they really like the meat of and pretty much everything that happened happened in this year. Mm. And we were going through it. That was by far, I think, we thought the best AEW representation of a rivalry because WWE seemed to have a great year with rivalries. Obviously, the Randy Orton Edge culminated pretty much all throughout the year. Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville, you know, near and dear to our her. Our hearts, of course. The fire and desire was a long time building. It was very good. But to me, WrestleMania, the best rivalry of the year was Seth Rollins and the Mysterio family. Because as I was watching this man, it was just like, how are they going to keep me interested in this? And they just kept doing it and doing it every week. I remember coming on the program every week. And it was just like, they found a way to make it interesting again. I thought it was over. And obviously, it kept going. They added Murphy. They added Aaliyah. They did this. They did that. We had some great Dominic Seth matches. We had the I versus I match. We had Mysterio. Like, this was just fun, and it lasted so long, and it was one of those things where Randy Orton and Edge lasted a long time, but a lot of it wasn't that good. But Seth Rollins and the Mysterio family probably lasted more than everything, and it was so good the way they did it. So it slightly beats out Mandy and Sonya for me, and they get my golden knocker. So you're saying Seth Rollins and the Mysterios get your golden knocker? Absolutely. Me and the majority of the staff. We back, baby! I gotta tell you this much, folks. Add me to the pile because I am giving, that's right, it's a, the first set of Golden Knockers goes to Seth Rollins and the Mysterio family because quite frankly, look at it this way, folks. Cody and MJF was great, but okay. Randy Orton and Edge, yeah, like you said. Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville, if it was a head shave, I would have said, yep, that would have been it. But some jack off ruined that one, folks. But now we're going over to Seth friggin' Rollins ah, 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 and the rest of the Mysterio family. I can't believe I'm giving Dominic a golden knocker. I thought I'd be better than that. But you know what, folks? The first set of golden knockers is going to the Mysterio Booyaka Booyakas. That's how I feel about this. Think he's tearing up. Such a great moment. <laughs>
All right, I guess it's now time for the next category, Michael. Male Superstar of the Year. Cody. Drew McIntyre. Keith Lee. What a... Guy's just boring. What a boring name. Randy Orton. Oh, man. Nestlemania. There were some... You know, a lot of people, they were great males, females, tags, champions, brands. But we're starting with the men here. And, man, there were some people that had great years. And you look over at AEW, Cody's our nominee because... He's freaking, well, I guess we can call him Cody Rhodes now, right? You know, maybe when we were putting this together, it was just Cody. Now he's Cody Rhodes. He made a title, the best title in wrestling on his own. He had some super hot fire matches with tons of different people. And, you know, all while running the company. So he's well-deserving. When you think of 2020, I think probably in a while, I think Drew McIntyre is probably going to come to mind, WrestleMania. Two-time WWE champion. Became one of the faces of the company. Obviously an amazing year for Drew. Then, of course, you got Keith Lee. What, what? Michael Downing may find him boring, but we know our boy TJ does not, and he obviously had an incredible year in NXT, has transitioned to the main roster, and is getting a title opportunity in the first uh, WWE title match of 2021, so he could be in this category again next year. And then, of course, we look at the Viper, Randy Orton, who had a resurgence this year, getting back to his roots, being that evil, evil man. So WrestleMania, for me, this is one of the hardest categories to pick. Not for me at all. I mean, there's one man. Just one man that is literally part of a 3MB for me. That is the man. Like, I I look at all these people. I'm not a big Cody guy, so he's out. Keith Lee, he had a great year, but not as great as another person. Randy Orton was kind of the foil for this guy. So for me, the Mac, the Mac, the Mac is back. And the Mac has went from obscurity to the biggest name in WWE at this point, I think, with the championship. The face of Raw. The face, potentially, maybe someday of the WWE, as Roman Reigns made a joke of it. But he is so head and shoulders just the guy. You can see it. You can feel it. I don't necessarily... I'm not the biggest Mac guy, but I cannot deny the talent, the hard work, the story, everything that that man went through just to get it first at WrestleMania, then win it back. You know, just the whole thing. Made me and I and I and I, I last night I was trying to have an extra little bit of time and I watched uh, his stuff with Stone Cold Steve Austin for a little bit and it made me appreciate the guy not necessarily the wrestler not necessarily the entertainer but the amount of effort that this guy like Cody Rhodes is gonna have other years Randy Orton's had multiple years Keith Lee as much as I like to give him crap most likely is gonna have another conversation of these years. But if you want to have a defining moment, a defining person for for 2020, like you said, it's the Mac, head and shoulders above the rest, in my opinion, because he is now solidified as the guy, in my opinion. So he's getting my golden knocker. I don't have an argument against Drew McIntyre. Like I said, he had an incredible year, two-time WWE champion. Um, were there a lot of moments where we were kind of like, you know, we still like what he was doing, but at the same time, it got a little stale? Probably. Was it all his fault? Definitely not. Because uh, to be a babyface champion in this year, in 2020, without a crowd, so difficult. And pretty much, that's all we have known him as, his champion, is without a crowd. So the work that he's done, I think, has been phenomenal. He's definitely deserving of this category, but he's not my pick, Nestlemania. It's don't, not the man with the most boring name. Don't do to Michael it. Downing. Don't, it's not Keith Lee. Don't it's do not it. Keith Lee. To me, it's coming down to Cody Rhodes or Randy Orton. Obviously, two of my guys. But I don't pick with biases like you, so I'm not just going to throw people out because I don't like them. Oh, but it just so happens I like both of these guys. But 
when I think when I'm looking back at 2020, I think of Drew McIntyre, I think of Randy Orton, I think of Keith Lee, I think of Cody Rhodes. So I think this is like by far one of the closest categories we have. But to me, I'm giving it to Cody Rhodes. No. Because I think he changed the game in wrestling this year. Just like he brought a new title, he made it great. Like when I'm thinking of like all sorts of great matches and stuff, I'm thinking of Cody Rhodes matches, man. He is the face of his company as well. You're calling McIntyre the guy. Well, there's already a the guy in WWE, and he's on SmackDown. That's Roman Reigns. Drew McIntyre is a top guy, one of the best guys. He had probably the best year in WWE, but I'm thinking of wrestling overall, and I'm giving my golden knocker to the male superstar of the year for 2020, to Cody Rhodes. The man got his name back. He gets a knocker, too. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. This is erroneous because you— Someone else on the staff agrees with me. The, yeah, good. You didn't get the majority the vote, though. Was number two. So there's a couple smart people here in the knocker staff. No. And shout out to them. You don't even know who it is, but I'll tell you this much. All of them are with me because they all voted for Drew McIntyre, and I think the rest of the world That's would vote for true. Drew McIntyre. That is not true because someone voted for Randy Orton. Somebody voted for Keith Lee. I'm guessing TJ. Probably. And multiple of us voted for Cody. Drew may have had the most, but this is a pretty split category. This is a popularity so, contest. You know shut your pot. Shut your pot. Really if it was a popularity contest, I bet Keith Lee would win. No. Because everyone loves him except for you. That's not true at all. If it was a popularity contest, and it is, Drew McIntyre would win. And guess what? Bozo, he did! Cody Rhodes is the male superstar of the year, according to JC, and that's all that matters. This is it's my knocker, and I give it to who I want, and Cody Rhodes deserves it. He gets my superstar of the year knocker. You know what you know what I realized? What you know what I realized? You know what I realized? The reason I can't see you very well is because you got your head so far up Cody Rhodes' ass, I couldn't recognize you. You jerk. Ah, uh, it's it's okay. I honestly, I'm proud of you for picking Drew McIntyre. Yes, you don't like him, but the as much. But the only reason you picked him is because you dislike Cody Rhodes even more. So much bias with you. So you know what? I'm glad this was a split vote because this deserves to be a split vote. You know what won't be a split vote, Nestlemania? Probably the next category. Hit it, Mago. Female superstar of the year, Bailey Sheeta. Io Shirai, Sasha Banks. This is the ladies category. This is the women's category. The best female superstar of the year. We have four contenders here that TJ and JC, if you have any problems with, direct your mail to them. Uh, with, But I think this is a, a slam dunk for me. I think that, you know, there's four women in here that really, I thought, moved the needle in terms of what was expected of women's wrestling this year. And four people were the pillars of uh, professional wrestling this year. We've got Bailey. We've got Sheeta. We've got Io! Because I love Io Shirai with her trash can. And the boss, Sasha Banks. So look, there's four. There's four. And in my opinion, to me, in the year 2020, there is one person. Again, this is a runaway category for your boy Nestlemania. I thought about the three here, trying to mentally do some gymnastics in my brain. Could I? potentially see these people as superstar of the year to me it's not Sheeta, although she did a fantastic job that women's division needs a goddamn facelift so for me not necessarily the female superstar of the year yo shirai to me is my one of my favorites i'm not gonna put her in that you know cursed category that everybody else gives me shit for but i enjoy watching her she's amazing but to me it wasn't the conversational piece that I was thinking of. You know, did EO come up in conversations when I'm talking to people? Not necessarily. So for me, folks, it boiled down to two women. Not just two women, two superstars. Two top people. Two. 
There's one and two, in my opinion. And honestly, this is a hard one for me and you, I think, because of where your allegiance lies, JC. But for me, there's one person that had the best 2020 of the year. It is Bailey, head and shoulders above everybody else. I mean, she held that for, I think they said, 340 or 80 days or something crazy like that. She is the longest reigning SmackDown champion in history. Sit down, JBL. She is the 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 person. She's the captain. I was going to say the boss for a second. She is the captain. She is the golden role model, in my opinion. So Bailey gets my golden knocker, and I am excited to see what you say. Yeah, Nestlemania. Um, if we did a category for um, Superstar of the Year, male and female, it'd be Bailey. I think, in a runaway, even with that, because I think she had the best 2020 out of anyone, out of anyone in wrestling, and it isn't even close. Bailey, just like what she did, how because we talked about like her transition to this new character at the end of last year, like she was growing into it. She had her moments, but it wasn't. But in 2020, man, she was full speed ahead. And she did a little bit of everything because her and Sasha together were tag team champions and they were the best, one of the most interesting tag teams in 2020. Bailey's matches are usually always phenomenal. She got great on the promo. Her character work was top notch. Everything about her was a slam dunk. The fact that this wasn't 100% Bailey is just insane. So shame on all of you wrestling staffers because Bailey was a, without a doubt. Could you make a case for Sasha? Maybe. But my, uh, my argument against it is she wasn't really like on this level the first half of the year. Because she wasn't as much around and stuff, whereas Bailey has been that consistency from start to finish. They've both been incredible. But to me, like you said, this is a complete and total runaway. Bailey absolutely deserves it. This is one of the few years where Charlotte and Becky Lynch uh, aren't going to be popping up on this list. So it's nice for Bailey to really have her moment and solidify herself in 2020 because she did. There was a lot of pressure on her to pick up that mantle with Charlotte out for long periods of time, with Becky relinquishing her title, with Sasha being out for periods of time. It's like we needed people to step up. And obviously, Oscar was someone who could have been on this list. I'd put her five, but we wanted to get Hikaru Shida in there because she obviously did a phenomenal job in AEW. But like you said, what worked against her was not really having anyone to fight. And then obviously, Io Shirai is just a staple. She has some of the best matches that you can see. Are her Heather feuds been great as she's been champion? No, but she's deserving to be on this list. But it's without a doubt, 2020 was the year of Bailey, in my opinion. Without a doubt, WrestleMania. So that means, ding dong, hello, set of golden knockers for Bailey. That's right. Tell me somebody doesn't like that out there, TJ. Tag Team of the Year, FTR, Golden Role Models, Miz and Morrison. Street Profits. Hey, Nestlemania, you consider us kind of like a duo, right? Yes, you know, I, like, I, I, can, like, I, you know? I absolutely consider us a tag team. Some might say the best tag team in podcasting. I don't know. But I'm definitely, what? I would say that. I would go on a limb and say people are entertained by us. I'm just saying. I like to think so, you know. It's probably like an 80-20 split, but, you know. It, yes, it's because I, we're, we're in tag team. That's what makes us great. Together, we're 100% together so it doesn't matter that you're the 20 and i'm the 80 nestlemania all that matters is that we're the tag team of the year and we have like michael just said four great teams ftr making the jump to AEW, the golden role models one of the most exciting female tag teams of all time and bailey and sasha the miz and morrison who you know they had a lot of gold early in the year maybe not as much tag team in the the second half of the year but they represented like what we want in a tag team in terms of entertainment and then of course nestlemania spoiler alert my pick Dun 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 dun. The Street Profits. When I think of 2020 tag teams, it's the Street Profits. Do they always have people to fight? 
Not so much, but they always found ways to be entertaining no matter what. When they were, they were doing backstage promos, wasn't at the beginning of this year, they were doing like goofy stuff where they were just pretty much hyping the show. But to me, like in rain, out of the rain, across the rain, outside the company, everywhere, every which way, up, down, all around, it's the Street Profits. And you better agree with me. So my tag team of the year is different because – no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I can't do that to you. <laughs> when I'm thinking about the FTR, it's hard for me because it's just like I love those guys. But they kind of like disappeared for a little bit, showed up in AEW, made a big splash with their truck, almost taking out a camera guy, showing up, winning the belts, and then having the the chance against the Young Bucks, which I thought was kind of a a good match, but it wasn't necessarily their best match. And then they've kind of been floundering, not floundering, I guess, but kind of like been an afterthought in terms of how many tag teams there are on AEW. So for me, I don't necessarily put like front and center FTR. They made the big splash. They made me notice them in a different way, especially getting Tully. But I don't necessarily believe that they are, when I think tag team of 2020... The tag team. Golden role models, great, but as we said, they schismed in the middle at the end there, and so it doesn't really necessarily, to me, show the longevity. Miz and Morrison still together, but as we see, the money in the bank is more important to the Miz. So again, when I think a tag team, I mean, these guys had the Raw titles, now they have the SmackDown titles. They are literally, to me, the only tag team that matters right now, bar none, across the board. I'm sorry. Yes, yes. Oh, yeah, I'm right. About Not that. right now, because the New Day and the Hurt Business are doing good work. But for 2020, they are by far the number one. They are. So, Michael, since the Tag Team of the Year has said something to you, and now we just have our third set of Golden Knockers, by the way, Michael, could we continue the trend? Best Champion, Bailey, SmackDown Women's, Cody, TNT, Drew McIntyre, WWE, our truth 24-7. So we've got the best champion. The best champion. Now, there's like 17 championships in the WWE alone. There's like <laughs> Hey, AEW is catching up there. All these fake titles. AEW has all these FTW bullshit things that don't matter because it needs a paperweight for Brian Cage to hold on to. But that's just... So you, <laughs> you think about this, folks. A champion. What makes a champion? Right? The heart of a champion. A man or woman. Whatever. They have that belt for a long period of time. It's not a belt, JC. It's a championship, by the way. So we've got... Oh, uh, they call it a belt in AEW sometimes. That's because they've got a hard-on for all nostalgia. The championship belt. All right, so here we go. For me, I cannot believe that R-Truth is even in this category, personally. I Now, he might be 39-time champion and, and entertaining, but you, you lost it a lot to be a champion, in my opinion. You lost it to Ninjas. You lost it to Drew Gulak. You, just, you probably lost it to Kelly Kelly, which is most importantly the worst thing if it was actually in this year. I can't remember. But it seems I like think it she was... pinned an old man actually in a limo at WrestleMania, wasn't it? Whatever the case is. Man, I think... I'm just telling you Let I lost it. I couldn't deal with it. That's what I got to say. So clearly excommunicated from my brain. There you are. So now we're down to three. Cody, Drew McIntyre, and Bailey. All great champions. You're going to sit here with your super, you know, Cody. I, I Actually, I didn't notice this until right now. You beat, you bleach blonde your hair for this category. Very nicely done, JC. So as we know what you're going to do on this one. I'm going to say Cody Rhodes couldn't hit the broad side of a good championship considering that his TNT championship is now the best championship. He doesn't have it anymore. You can't tell me that the mid-card title is better than the world title because then you devalue the world title. He's out of there. Yeah, but that's so many. I believe we picked the Miz to win Intercontinental before as best champion. Uh, so it can happen there, mister. 
Well, logic dictates I don't know what I'm talking about, so let me go on. <laughs> Drew McIntyre versus Bailey in my brain. Here's we. Here's what. Uh, but here's here, in all in all seriousness. As much as Cody did a good job, he left. You know, unfortunately, we're, we didn't really talk about uh, you know Brody Lee. Import, you know, unfortunate passing, but he was the TNT champion. Then went back to Cody. Now it's on uh, your boy Darby. So it's hard for me to believe that all year round. He's, I don't even, do you even remember when the TNT championship started? Cause it, it wasn't beginning exactly. It was like later on in the year. It right? was, I think it was in the spring. Okay. So again, they for me, potentially, spring, potentially that is, uh, you know, a real reason instead of my, you know, illogical brain saying these things for me, it comes down to Bailey and Drew McIntyre. To me, the two faces of the WWE for 2020 persevering, waving that flag. Well, you know, Roman Reigns was gone. Brock Lesnar decided not to show back up. The women's division was kind of in a disarray, as you said, based on everything that's going on. So there were two people that entertained me every week, two people that did the greatest thing. But for me, as much as I love the Mac, as in terms of what he's done, Bailey to me is the epitome of a champion. She held on to that championship as long as she could. She lied as long as she could. She cheated. She stole whatever she could to keep that championship. And when I have a great heel champion, in my opinion, that just wants to hold on to that championship because it's everything, the fiber of her being, JC, that's what I felt when I think of champions. When you can't think of that championship without them, for this year, it was Bailey. She gets my golden knocker because she worked her ass off and she is the best champion in the eyes of Nestlemania. It's a good pick. It honestly is. Um, she came in second for me. Um, but everything you said is why she would deserve an Oscar, and that's why she's getting one. Um, when I look at this category, honestly, the more I think about it, like at first, like when we were, I remember TJ and I, we've obviously been working on this all year, working on the list so we don't forget stuff earlier in the year and stuff. And it was a really a struggle to find some good champions. But as the year flushed out, like, Bailey hit her stride. Drew McIntyre hit her stride. The big thing about Cody is he defended that thing every week against so many different people. That's what made it feel really special to me. He probably honestly defended it in his shorter reigns than like Bailey and Drew McIntyre did total, just based on how the titles go. So to me, that actually does mean something. It's like when Cena started the open challenges, like seeing that title around and seeing it defended, seeing all different types of people getting an opportunity and one an opportunity at it, that means it means a lot. And that's the defining for me, a part of being what a great champion is. But Cody does not win this award for me either. I would put him fourth on this list, but I think it's just, I think all everyone on this list can be deserving. So that leaves it down to Drew McIntyre and our truth Nestlemania. Don't Obviously, you Drew even. You said our truth. Don't you even. Drew McIntyre and our truth. No. They, like when I think of the WWE Championship in 2020, it's Drew McIntyre. Even though he lost it for a time, he did get it back. So everyone on this list, they have lost their championships, even if they still held it. They lost it at least once. Um, and McIntyre, obviously, we talked about it in Male Superstar of the Year, how deserving he is, the incredible year he had. But honestly, a lot of his feuds fell a little short to me. A lot of his matches were good, but not great. But when I'm thinking, you, you said something honestly that just dawned on me, that solidified my pick. You said, when I think of the best champion, I can't think of them without their title. I can't think of our truth without the 24-7 title. That title means more to him probably than any title to anyone else and how much he wants one. He literally calls it his baby. He does anything to get it back. He dresses up. He goes in trash cans. He hides in dumpsters. Like, if that isn't what a best champion is, I don't know what is. As much of a joke as that championship is, our truth has done so much with that shitty green belt to make it that it is still on our TV every week. And every now and then it does have a decent moment. And he's done so many great things. So for me, in a huge upset, 
I'm giving my golden knocker to our truth in the 24-7 title because I think he has in this wonky, weird year of 2020. Maybe the inconsistency of the 24-7 title is all the consistency we needed. So our truth congratulations. You win JC's golden knocker for best champion. I think I left him speechless, guys. This is great. Someone else in the staff voted with me. Are you high? Are you legitimate? I wish. Are you high right now? It's necessary. You literally every reason that you said for what best champion was, like our truth checks all those boxes, all those boxes. So you just solidified you, you, wait, 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 in my mind because I was thinking about flip flopping from my vote. So what was your original co- vote, Cody? No, my original vote was our truth. Cody and Drew did not get any votes. Uh, Bailey got three fourths. Our truth got one fourth. So. Who, who in their right mind votes for our truth? Who, who? I just gave him a golden knocker. Our truth not only does he have the twenty four seven title, he now has a golden knocker to go with it to protect from people. I can't believe that you. D- I I am personally offended that you voted for this gentleman. I am. You shouldn't be. He defines what a champion should be. He wanted that title more than anything. He You're made telling that title. me he defended that title every moment of every second of every day. Do you know how hard that is, WrestleMania, to always be on your toes like that? There's no one more deserving than our truth. I can't take you seriously. You're telling me that the Roll of Toilet Paper Championship is the best champion of the year? That speaks volumes to the rest of the freaking championships that we've got, folks. Un- I don't think so. I don't think so. No, I think you're dead wrong. You're absolutely... There's no no way that you can believe on your heart of hearts that our truth is... uh, Our truth cannot... My uh, my brain can't take this. My brain can't... I literally am going to explode. I believe it. He got it. He won it. Deal with it. I need a palate cleanse, Michael. Save me. <laughs> Best brand. AEW. NXT. Raw. SmackDown. I, you know, there's four shows that are the, the, in, the in the category here. You, we, there's a lot of shows. You could have added 205 Live. You could have added uh, Ring of Honor, New Japan, whatever you wanted to add. Impact, which apparently is showing up. And showing out, if you go and check out Jabberknocker.com for your boy, Dami Fetz, who writes it every Tuesday on the Jabberknocker, by the way. But we have to unfortunately whittle it down. Or I didn't. JC and uh, TJ did. You guys should just morph into one person sometimes because you all, like, kiss each other's asses. So it just should be like TJC. You should be like a little group called TJC. It's not my fault. TJ has great takes, Nestlemania. Really? Because I'm curious how you feel if you... Because uh, it. So here it is. Raw, you know, SmackDown, NXT, AEW, clearly. These are the four. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that TJ, Mr. NXT, put NXT down as the vote. I'm going to assume you, as well, with your ass-kissing, is going to pick NXT as well. Do you want me to go? Yeah, I want I, I want to see you do this. Go ahead. Tell, prove me wrong. Because you're dead fucking wrong, WrestleMania. The staff may have voted for NXT, but I didn't. Um, NXT, actually... If I rank these, obviously Raw is fourth. Honestly, let's just scratch out Raw. Let's throw an Impact. I'm putting Impact in fourth place. Fuck you, Raw. We just left you because America's a name brand. You don't deserve to be nominated here. Throw Raw out the window. Impact four. NXT comes in at three for me. So that leaves SmackDown and AEW. And WrestleMania, when I think of the award of best brand, I think of what is a show that I watch week in and week out and just enjoy. Just literally enjoy. There's a lot of weeks in NXT where I'm fast-forwarding so much. It's not interesting. There's just as much bad sometimes as there is good. Same thing with AEW, honestly. 
But the AEW, at least the reason why I give it the edge over NXT, is just because there's more things that have been like, I'm really looking forward to this, like little things. And it still might be because it has a little bit of that new feel, and it's so much different from WWE, which NXT, yes, it's different from Raw and SmackDown, but it's still very WWE. But for me, Friday nights became something special for me in the past year. I, and I my vote went to SmackDown. Because SmackDown has had, I think, the best stories of the year. It's had a lot of the best moments of the year. It's had some of the better TV matches of the year. And it's just, my expectations for it, were they probably lower? And did that help it? Probably. But it just, I look back on the year and of all the things I enjoyed, the Rollins Mysterio, the Reigns Uso, the Mandy Otis, like all this stuff, SmackDown, SmackDown, SmackDown. All these things happen on SmackDown. Even little things like the little Shorty G stuff that I get. They're like all the like little things. King Corbin's on the show. There's a lot of the Sasha Bailey stuff that's on SmackDown. It's like everything that I've enjoyed the most of 2020 was on SmackDown. So for me personally, this was a runaway, and my award went to SmackDown. Then I get my golden knocker. So the best brand from the knocker staff was NXT because they're all idiots. <laughs> They're all hardcore uh, what about wrestling. You? Who'd you vote for? Uh, so thank you for bringing that up. Uh, your boy, Nestlemania, had a momentary lapse because he has, you know, two twins and it couldn't function like an adult and idiotically left it blank. So I let TJ let me put in the NXT vote because, quite frankly, if I missed a, if I missed a vote, I deserve to not, you know, be voted on here. But considering it's my show, I'm going to turn that around into a positive here and say... You know, I thought about giving it to NXT because NXT has a lot of great wrestling. And just to give a, a, a peace offering to our boy TJ, who clearly gets hammered on week by week by me and does a great job with NXT Hangover with his brother, the Brothers Quinn DQ. But for all the reasons you said, and the ma- the matter of, of it all is that Fox is a powerhouse. It's not cable television. It's freaking like basic television. Like everybody gets Fox. So everybody's got to put all their guns towards one area in Fox to please them. There's a lot more they've done. Like you said, for me, it's they've got Sammy, who's been doing great since he's returned. They've they've done something with Big E. They do something with Daniel Bryan. The women's division, with the exception of like, you know, what's happened lately since Sasha's won is, you know, it's still kind of up in the air. But the majority of it has been Bailey and Sasha, like you said. The tag team division was a little bit of a weak spot for a while, but then they got the Street Profits. Now the Street Profits are on every week. It's just like, it's two hours. And I think that's the problem is like, the two out, like the three hours of Raw, like we said, out of there. Everything else we talked about, one through four was two hours, so that's awesome. But SmackDown has done an amazing job of keeping you entertained and is more, I I, dare I say, more character driven than any other show that we've even talked about. And I think that when you have character, when you have story equals better, just better everything, not just ratings, but better everything, in my opinion, because you got to have those two things. And the other shows don't have enough character, don't have enough stories to keep me interested for the two hours. So they get my golden knocker. That's the fourth set, folks of Golden Knockers if you're keeping score at home because usually JC and WrestleMania don't necessarily always agree, but unfortunately this year has kind of twisted my arm. Michael, can I twist yours? Well, before we go to Michael, sorry to cut you off here, Michael, but WrestleMania, I will say this. We might be agreeing a lot because those were all shine categories. So you know what? It's good to be positive and happy and great. But now we're getting to your neck of the woods. Because next up, Michael's going to read us the first category in the heat. Best heel. Baron Corbin. Britt Baker. MJF. 
Randy Orton. So a heel. The best heel. Not just a good heel, a great heel, but the best heel of 2020. There are four amazing people here. And in my opinion, know how to be a heel. They just get it. They just exuberate. That even isn't a word. What a heel is. I mean, when you walk down the street, you want to punch Baron Corbin in the face. Britt Baker, even though she was technically not wrestling, was a highlight, probably one of, if not the biggest highlight of AEW. MJF is just a heel in real life and is just a prick. And I just, I, I cannot believe how good he is at what he does. And there's Randy Orton, who is just vintage and not so vintage sometimes heel because he just reiterates back to me why he might be the best ever wrestler in general. Just entertaining-wise, just so goddamn good. So Baron Corbin, I feel like you've had an off year. You've had some good stuff, not some great stuff. So for me, you're not necessarily my top heel. Britt Baker and MJF. Now, this is a toss-up because it's like, who's the best in AEW in my opinion? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to slide over to the doctor because I think she's done a great job. Yeah, I think MJF did a great job last year of really putting on a show. This year, I think Britt Baker is more the talking point, the hot topic, right, of AEW in my opinion. But is Britt Baker, the doctor, good enough to take down the Viper in my opinion? Could she potentially make it? No, because Randy Orton is the top heel. Just in general, folks, there is no way... In hell, I would vote for anybody else. 62.5% of the staff picked Randy Orton. I am one of those people because, quite frankly, I got to tell you, folks, he started at the Royal Rumble making the jokes with, you know, Edge. Then the next night, we were talking about how he beat up Edge, and it kept going and going, and it went into a feud with Edge, and then that had to end, and then we're thinking to ourselves, okay, what the hell are they going to do with Randy? And then Randy morphed over into the Drew McIntyre stuff with the Legends and all that stuff. And that was must-see television. He just beat the shit out of Legends and Legends and Legends, which we love. Now he's over with The Fiend. And you know, I'd love me some Fiend. And this is a matchup mm, that could be really good going into 2021. So to me, I think bar none has had one of the best years from end to end, let alone being the most hated person in this category by far. Head and shoulders, runaway train, should be 100% unequivocally the man, the top heel, the golden knocker goes to Randy Orton. Yeah, he's getting a set of them, without a doubt. Like, just, the man literally just burned someone alive uh, recently. So uh, that's pretty heelish. Just, like, start to finish, like we talked about in the Superstar of the Year category, the year Randy Orton had and how, you know, we've had discussions all throughout the year about how he might be the GOAT and how I think he actually is the GOAT, the greatest of all time. And it's just, like, he's always been in his wheelhouse as a heel. And 2020, pretty much from almost the start, like, right after the Rumble, it was just like, okay, Randy, do your thing. And he has done it with multitude of different people. Obviously, The Fiend most recently, and like you said, Edge were some of the bigger highlights, but he also, his feud with Drew was a lot of really good stuff. Even when that feud seemed kind of stale, like it was never because of Randy Orton, his promos were always impeccable, perfection, exactly what they need to be. He's just one of those guys that, like, like you have to hate him, no matter what. Like, obviously, he's one of my favorites of all time, so I'm always going to love him, even if I see him murder someone on TV like he did. But it's just like... He gets what being a heel in wrestling is, always has, and they let him really do his thing. Because a lot of the times they kind of, a lot of years, maybe they force him to be a babyface some of the times. He flips more than the big show. But this year they really let him do it. So, yeah, he's 100% the runaway. But I do want to shout out the rest of this category because MJF, like you said, like 
he's going to be in this category every year, I think, probably till the end of time. Um, but I agree with you. I think Britt Baker was the better heel this year because it's, I think, like, maybe it's because of her improvement and what she became and her character change and everything. But, like, the fact that she was, like you said, one of the best things on AW without being an active member of the roster, like when she had her freaking, like, little throne and she's got the sidekick now, just they do her own little talk show. They have little vignettes with her every week. Like, it just, in, in a woman's division that didn't have, doesn't have much depth besides Sheeta, like, Britt Baker's been one of the saving graces for them and been amazing. So, just, like, you're, she's not being Randy Orton, like you said. And then my boy Baron Corbin, like, was it his best year? Absolutely not. But the dude is, when you think of heel in WWE, you think of Baron Corbin. And whatever they ask him to do, he does it, and he gets those other people cheered. He could be facing a random guy out of the third row that nobody likes, and they're rooting for him over Baron Corbin. So that's what makes a good heel. But it's just, like you said, the year of Randy, the year of the Viper. Evolution may be a mystery, but best heel of 2020 is not. It's Randy Orton. Is that our fifth or sixth? I've lost track at this point. Instead of Golden Knocker. Is it the fifth? It's the fifth, then. We'll go with the fifth. I can't believe we're agreeing as much as we normally do. Like, it's a little odd. I plead the fifth. You plead the fifth. Okay, that's fine. Anyway, the next category, Your Honor. Most underutilized talent. Bianca Belair. Chad Gable. Lucha Bros, Mickey James. All right, WrestleMania. This is one of my favorite categories to do every year because we look at the roster. There's so many people that we like, whether it's WWE or AW or anywhere. This one uh, happens to be three WWE and then an AEW team. Uh, underutilized talent, like Michael just said. Um, it's just there's always people that we love. Like over the years, I'm like, these people, if you give them more time, then they could really shine. Someone who was on this list, honestly, not so many for most of the year was Mustafa Ali, but they finally given him his time, so he got taken off the list. But I'm curious to see who your pick is here, because to me, it's a two-horse race, but I'm curious who you pick, because the staff, I'll be honest, we're looking at it right now before we give out the Golden Knockers, 25%, 25%, 25%, 25%. You talk about a dead heat, this category is a dead heat. Well, talking about heat, uh, this is my category because this is upsetting every single time. Uh, but I do love all of these people for different reasons. Uh, Bianca Belair, not necessarily underutilized in my opinion. I mean, she is, but she isn't uh, comparatively to the rest of these people. Did the rest of the They literally the didn't use her until mid-November. <laughs> to the rest of the That's group. two and a half months of not being utilized. Well, sure. But I don't, in my, I don't know. In my brain, I just don't necessarily... I'm not as offended. Like, I'm offended for Chad... I'm offended for Mickey James, so those are my top two. The Lucha Bros have gone, like, back and forth in my brain where it's, like, they are one of the best tag teams, but they've, of course, like, I'm assuming because of, you know, Mexico and, and COVID and everything, like, that's out of their hands and stuff, so, like, I don't necessarily see it that way. They've been around a lot, though. They just don't do anything with them. Maybe. I, maybe I'm just trying to, in my own head, you know, wrestle with this whole thing, but, like, for, I mean, I love Mickey James for obvious reasons, uh, but, and not so obvious reasons, but... It's so it's like I'm offended that somebody of her stature doesn't have the time put in in terms of television. Maybe that's by design, too, maybe because she has a small child with, you know, our boy Nick Aldis. But uh, I feel like I want to give it to Mickey James, but I feel like I'm more offended for Chad Gable. So I'm going to give my golden knocker to Chad Gable. Because honestly, he's an Olympian, folks. It's offensive. Shorty G, as much as we like to Photoshop JC's head on top of Shorty G, was offensive. It was offensive. And honestly, Bianca Belair is going to have an amazing career. 
Lucha Bros clearly have already had an amazing career. Mickey James has had a career, you know, a great career. Chad Gable has had more starts and stops, honest to God, than a VCR. Like it is just like I cannot, in my mind, go. Why are you wasting his time? Why? Why are you wasting what he can do? Like, thank God they're doing something with Otis now, but we don't even know if they're gonna fuck that up, right? Like we have no idea. Maybe next year it's our turnaround, but who knows? So for me, Chad Gable gets my golden knocker. So the reason why I love this category is that we all look at this category in different ways. Because when honestly, when I look at this list, like of this list, Chad Gable might be towards the bottom. That's not to say that I don't think he's underutilized because he absolutely is. But it's just that, like, Chad, uh, honestly, on this list, he might have had more TV time than everyone else combined in 2020. Was a lot of it crap? Sure. Were I underutilized him? Absolutely. But it's just, I think if this category is all about perspective and how you're looking at it. Because something you said really hit me. You're like, yeah, Bianca Belair is going to have a ton down the line. Well, that has nothing to do with this category this year. I think that's the reason why two people voted for her. I did not vote for Bianca Belair, but she was number two on my list too because we talk about her talent, her next level talent. For her to really get to the next level, she needs reps. She didn't really get them in 2020. She was just kind of like, oh, she got drafted to the Raw and then was just never really on. Maybe once in a while as a sidekick to the Street Profits. And that's why when the draft came around, we're like, okay, SmackDown, land of opportunity. She's starting to get them here in the last month and a half. That's probably why maybe to you it doesn't feel like it as much because we're starting to see her every week. But the whole year, like, she wasn't. But, again, she wasn't my pick. So that leaves Lucha Bros and Mickey James for me. Obviously, I'm with you. The Monday Night Milk, Mickey James. Who doesn't love her? One of the greatest of all time. One of my favorites of all time. But when I look at underutilized, I like to, I, I, you know, Mickey James's best days are behind her. Is she underutilized? Absolutely, because I don't utilize her at all. They probably should. Why didn't we get a title match between her and Oscar again? I don't know. But whatever. Hopefully it could be, like you said, related to her kid. Anything else? We don't know. That's the weird thing about 2020. There could, there's a ton of extenuating circumstances. We don't know with all these things. We can only call it with what we do know and what we see. And to me, there's been, I've been watching wrestling for a while. And ever since the Lucha Brothers have been around, people are telling me how they're the greatest, how they're amazing. At the Alvaro, Phoenix, like they're great. And they get to AEW and like they're having... Like before AEW became a weekly show, they had all these matches with the Young Bucks. I was like, okay, cool. These guys are awesome. And everyone's like, oh, no, no. They're not just an amazing tag team. They're also great single stars. I'm like, great, cool. I can't wait to see them. And then I watch AEW in 2020. They're around, sure. They're in random six-man, eight-man tags, sure. But, like, they don't really have much of their own moments, whether it's as a tag team or single stars. And I'm thinking, like, if these guys are upper echelon players like everyone said they are, then why isn't it happening? Why are they always, like, second fiddle or a throw-in? Or why are they never, like, get consistently putting together wins? Why is there no sort of, like, anything built around them? And so, for me, that's why I think they're underutilized. Because I have seen flashes from them, like, oh, these guys are amazing. Whoa, Phoenix does things like Ricochet, where my jaw just drops. Penta Alzero is incredible. It's like, you can get, like, little things from their character work, but they're good. And it's just it just hasn't happened. Maybe it will in 2021. I'm hopeful that it is, as we're seeing AWs. Finally pulling the trigger on Kenny Omega. That took a lot enough. But to me, these are the two guys I want to see get more in 2021. And that's why they get my golden knocker for most underutilized. Erroneous. Erroneous. You're that's erroneous. Fine. No, I just, you know, I don't agree. And that's fine. You're right. I'm wrong. I'm wrong. You're Shocker. Right. right? Is that what you're going to say? So it's fine. Anyway, I'm not going to harp on the past, although our next category may harp a little on the past. Michael? Oh, what could have been? Eric Rowan's cage. Becky's title reign, relinquished in May. Karrion Cross's dominant title reign in NXT. 
WrestleMania with a crowd. This to me, JC, is one of my favorite categories of the year because this is the part where my brain can go and think about what we could have potentially had versus what we got, right? So for me, here we go. Eric Rowan's cage, you specifically said something that made me really excited about it that clearly was not the case and they kind of cut it off and that was it. And like, my mind was like, why couldn't it be what JC said? This was amazing, whatever. Becky's title reign, what could have been? I thought she was overdone for just losing it anyway. So not necessarily, spoiler alert, the one I'm going to pick for what could have been. Because, you know, she's a happily... You know, she's now she's a mom, so you know I'm sure her 2020 turned out better than she expected, honestly. So I don't I don't necessarily think that the rain would have gone much longer, because honestly I I got personally fatigued by it, uh, with the man being like on top dominant for so long. Karrion Cross dominated NXT if he uh, didn't hurt his you know bad wing. Unfortunately, it seems like that championship may or may not be cursed. I don't know if it's worse than the Nestle curse. I, I don't necessarily believe that Karrion Cross is gonna get my Golden Knocker because I think that. Uh, as much as I was excited to see him and Scarlett kind of take over, no pun intended, NXT, there's still going to be money where where he's going to be no matter what because he's just like one of those guys. Like he just, you look at him and it says superstar. So I'm not necessarily thinking of it as like what could have made me feel something. The one that I that I hurt most for, and you know, really I think TJ and DQ probably voted for was, and, and I did too, WrestleMania without a crowd. As we talk about on this program many times, I'm sure anybody that listens to wrestling, listens to the wrestling podcast, watches wrestling, talks about wrestling, sleeps, eats, breathes, whatever, wrestling feeds off of a crowd. You hear the wrestlers talk about it every single t- solitary moment they can about the way that 2020 has unfolded. But to me, those moments, like Otis and Mandy, would have been greater with Pyro and people. Max' official moment is just kind of like he said on the Austin thing. He was just like. It was a regular moment I would have had at the hotel, basically, because there was no crowd. So it, to me, deteriorated very quickly. It still made WrestleMania very special with the two nights, but people would have probably booed Rob Rob Gronkowski, and we would have loved that. TJ and DQ would have had amazing coverage of the the WrestleMania from the Brothers Quinn. Like, there were so many things we were looking forward to for WrestleMania, and then obviously we all get whacked with this thing. So for me, that's the most upsetting by far, is that WrestleMania, and it seems like there's a potential for WrestleMania to not have crowds this year as well, which is tough, because I think that, like we talked about, they probably lost a lot of fans this year. You know, it's hard to get people back into it after something like this. Maybe they will, maybe they won't, but I think even DQ took a bow out for a while, just because, you know, as a fan, you want to be in it, and they do a great job with the Thunderdome, but it's still, to me, like, as it's as good as it is, it's still not that intangible. They pipe in stuff. So, I mean, getting a real crowd to get a real reaction out of something feeds off of, like, I think 50 to 90% of, like, what wrestling should be, in my opinion. So, uh, WrestleMania with a crowd is my golden knocker moment that uh, what could have been because I think, like I said, it, it would have solidified a lot of people and made it a lot easier on a lot of people going into 2020. See, I thought for sure you were going to vote for Eric Rowan's cage because I know how you hurt. We're, we're, we're hurt. By that storyline, because it had so much promise, and obviously, like, it just kind of, like, disappeared, and we got, what, the robotic spider or whatever it was, what which if it, obviously was a disappointment. What if it was a little person? Like, what if it was? That would have that would have blown my ready? fucking mind. That would have blown my fucking mind. But WrestleMania is a bigger deal. Yeah, no, so I obviously, I voted as well for WrestleMania with a crowd, um, because I thought that was all-encompassing of what could have been with 2020 in general. Because this, I'll take a peek behind the curtain here for me and TJ. We had all different things nominated here. We had empty arena, race wrestling, like all this and that. Like we had 
COVID at one point in Bastille, but we took it out because we wanted to kind of keep it towards wrestling. Um, but I think WrestleMania without a crowd in this category kind of represents our disappointment in 2020 in general. Of all the things that, you know, we lost, like those moments, like the experiences, all these different types of things for us, for the wrestlers, for everyone, everyone involved was just lost because of what 2020 has been. And WrestleMania without a crowd was just the representation of that. And I was surprised that, honestly, there were other things in this category that got votes besides that. Becky's title, and I think the reason why we put it in here was, you know, it was coming on historic, and Bailey's obviously once historic, but Becky's just ended. Where And who knows? She could still be champion now if she didn't want to be a mom. We don't know. So it's one of those things of what could have been, like in a year of 2020 where there was a definitive winner, it was kind of hard to find other nominees. And that's why, like, we... The Eric Stroll and Cage really did stand out because that was an exciting storyline that literally led to nothing. There's other things that probably could have been in here, but I'm with you. There's nothing that could hold a candle to WrestleMania with a crowd because for all those moments you mentioned, even more of the minor stuff like that ladder match with the crowd. Braun Strowman actually win the title with a the crowd. They definitely would have popped because we all love Braun, even though it was whatever, shitty how it happened. Like, it still happened. People would have been happy. So it's like you look at all these little check marks along the way. Rhea Ripley and Charlotte was a obviously fantastic match. Spoiler alert. You're going to hear about that later in the show. That would have been amazing with a crowd. So, yeah, just think about, like, other little things. Like, Liv Morgan thing kind of paid off of WrestleMania where she beat Natty, like, before she, like, heard her thing again where she's changed, like, a million times. But that probably could have been a cool moment even on, like, the pre-show. So there's all these little things that, for me, without a doubt, 100%, and they're getting a set because of it. WrestleMania with a crowd is what could have been in 2020. The sixth set of golden knockers, folks. There's a lot of knockers happening right now. A lot of sets that need to be held up. Anyway, we get to the final category of the heat, the WrestleMania category, I guess. Michael, will you do the honors? Get them off my TV. Worst thing of 2020. Goldberg wins Universal Championship karaoke segment on SmackDown. Rob Gronkowski's run in WWE. Retribution. Get them off my TV, get them off my TV, get them off my TV, folks. These are your absolute worst moments of the year, in my opinion. I can't tell you how upsetting all four of these are to me, personally, as Nestle, because, quite frankly... This is the category that I think, JC, is a runaway train, but all of them could upset me either way. I'll probably grow, grow. I'll probably blow a gasket. Excuse me. I'm going to grow a third eye. All right, here we go. Maybe I can get through all these nominees without killing myself. Goldberg, universal champion in Saudi Arabia. I'm trying not to anger myself. Karaoke on SmackDown, which was very upsetting. <laughs> Rob Gronkowski's run, which was less than a cup of coffee. Probably, I had more time in the wrestling business than Rob Gronkowski. And Retribution, which is personally offensive to both of us for many different reasons. For me, I look at it this way. Karaoke, as much as it upsets me, was once. Right? One time. I only had to, Agreed. I only had to say it at once. Was it terrible? Was it the drizzling shits? Absolutely. <laughs> was it diarrhea? Yes. But, if more, you know, there are others that make me very more upset. Rob Gronkowski... Rob, I can't even talk. I'm still getting blah, blah, blah. Rob Gronkowski. You're talking like Gronk. Oh, you're soy fiesta. <laughs> anyway, party time is over. Go back to Tampa, you putts. You couldn't even take a bump that a 74-year-old man was willing to take, you fragile fuck. 
Get him out that of here. That is the best part, honestly, of his his shitty run and the perfect representation of what it was. Yes. Was him not refusing to do that and Vince did it for him. Like, yes. just like, come on. He's not, he's never going to be what he's supposed to be in WWE. So get, just stay the fuck away. Thank you, Mojo. No, thank you, Mojo. Anyway, we're down to Goldberg and Retribution, which two of these, like I said, have rolled up on me constantly, right in my brain. Goldberg won in the staff pick, 62.5%, which is a runaway in some ways. But Retribution also, JC, for me, is personally letting me down. Personally. Because I was super psyched for a new faction. Who knew that I was more excited about the Hurt Business when it was going to be the end of 2020? But I am, you know... And Goldberg becoming a 50, what is he, like 55 at this point? It seems like he must be 50 or something higher. I'll go check it out while you talk. But Goldberg winning a championship over the Fiend in Saudi Arabia because they knew we were going to boom out of the building anyway. Fucking up, essentially, I would assume, WrestleMania in general, regardless of the COVID stuff. Like, if I had to watch Roman Reigns and Goldberg like I was supposed to, I might have actually been, like channel changer get it off my television so for me as much as i thought i was going to give it to retribution i'm more angry than the fact that bill goldberg had to rear his ugly ass old fart head into wrestlemania's whole fucking shoehorn and tell people oh i'm a superhero the kids would love to see me win go fuck yourself bill oldberg get the fuck off my television get the fuck off my television you are the get him off my tv 2020 fuck you award goldberg I'm done, JC. Please go before I lose my mind. So let's go pros and cons with some of these. Um, the pro of Rob Gronkowski's run in WWE. Well, not many. At least it wasn't that long. The cons, everything else. Karaoke segment, like you said, the biggest pro. It was one night, one time only. Probably the worst segment of the year. But since it was once, I can throw that out too. So like you, I'm down to Goldberg and Retribution. The pros of Goldberg winning the Universal Championship. Well, I like the music. So I guess that's the pro. Other pro? He put Braun over, even if he didn't want to, and Braun got a world title? So okay, at least I got a little positive there. Negatives, obviously everything else. He sucks, drizzling shit. Having to beat The Fiend was so disappointing. I think other everyone else took it a lot more personally than me. I don't like Goldberg, but I also don't despise Goldberg. I think if they used him in Saudi Arabia to fight like someone random, like whatever... Um, am I going to go out of my way to watch it? No. Am I going to cry myself to sleep? Also no. But him winning the Universal title was pretty insulting, and it absolutely deserves to be in the top two here. But will it be my pick for the worst thing of 2020? I don't know, Nestle because you talk, when I think about shit, when I think about 2020, Retribution is the literal representative of that. And it's a shame, because Retribution is made up of people that I like. The idea of it, though, is just so shitty. The execution was even worse. I gave SmackDown all the credit in the world um, for everything earlier. This was like the one black spot on it when Retribution was like a theme with all the things. Like, I had people coming on TV throwing Molotovs, causing destruction, and they get hired. There's a million people, then they grow in size. The, my biggest thing with this of why I found it insulting was the inconsistency with it and the making no sense. But the biggest reason, you know what? Fuck it. This is my worst thing of 2020, and here's why. Because when I saw Mustafa Ali revealed as the leader, revealed as the hacker, they reinvigorated my hope in this. They're like, oh, my God, they're going to save it. 
I'm going to care about retribution. It's going to be good. Finally, they're using Mustafa Ali. They're finally paying off this hacker storyline, which was amazing. That probably would have been the what could have been if they didn't actually pay it off. So, but it's just it's my hope for this and the peaks and valleys that they put me on. And I think the other big thing of why this sucks so much for me and why I want it off my TV is because it just doesn't end. It literally, right now, we're having Ricochet going one on five every week against these guys. And it's just like, what are we What are we doing with this? What have we been doing with this? It ha- it's been flawed from the start. It's been flawed all throughout. There's been maybe like one week, one week when Ali was revealed. And we're like, yes. But besides that, to me, it has been the literal drizzling shits. As bad as Oldberg was, as bad as him winning a title was, as, as bad as him being one of the headliners of WrestleMania was, at least it was just that. And at least Goldberg, Goldberg has good music. Retribution, they don't even have good music. So what the fuck? They're the worst thing. Get them off my TV. End it. Let's leave them in 2020. Let's let all these people, maybe morph them into something else. I don't know. But I just can't do it anymore in Estimania. I can't do Retribution anymore. They're the worst thing to me. I'm sorry that you're upset, and I don't want to spend any more time in the heat. So from retribution to redemption, let's go and get hopeful, folks. Michael, hit us. Give me a palate cleanse. Newcomer of the year. Carrion Cross with Scarlet, NXT. Orange Cassidy, AEW. Dominic Mysterio, WWE. Pat McAfee, NXT. Ah, it feels good, right? It feels like where we need to be. Hope. Hope for the future. And you know what? If the 2021 future is much like some of the new talent we got in 2020, there's a lot of hope in our future in wrestling. Because one another one of my favorite categories is Newcomer of the Year. And there certainly were some people that really burst on the scene this year. Karrion Cross and Scarlett showed up in NXT. That was an exciting lead-up. That was an exciting thing. It obviously was cut short, and that hurt. But still... Like you said earlier, Karrion Cross, star. Gonna be a star. And as long as Scarlet's by his side, woo-wee! Noticing the bombshell. Orange Cassidy in AEW. Really coming from like that comedy act where this was a guy when I heard about him and I saw clips, I was like, there's no fucking way. I'm never gonna take this guy seriously or like him. This is stupid. People, he's ruining the sport. But then I watched him in AEW. And I've watched him grow in AEW. I've watched him have some amazing feuds this year and matches in AEW. And I'm like, Orange Cassidy. All right. This guy, star. I'm, I'm in. I believe it. He's one of the ones for me that could easily win this category. Then, of course, we have Nestlemania's war on the Mysterio families. Dominic Mysterio. Finally, we saw him in a ring. And boy, did he blow all our expectations out of the water, having some great matches with Seth Rollins. And oh, he Murphy. blows all right. He um, blows all right. He, he's great. He's already got one knocker. Could he get another? He might. No, 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 honestly, no. He doesn't have a knocker by himself. himself. He doesn't have a knocker by himself. Shit, shit. Bad, Nestle. You'll have your moment. Bad. We, but we have one more guy to talk to. It's a guy. Talk about it. Excuse me. He's a guy that wouldn't like being cut off. And that is the leader of the Pat Pack in NXT, Pat McAfee. You talk about blowing our expectations out of the water. Um, How about him when he got in a ring? A puncher. A puncher in the NFL. <laughs> Is the best promo in WWE and a great wrestler? Who would have thought? But his stuff with Adam Cole this year was phenomenal. So not so many. I'm looking at these four nominees. Um, I think you could give it to any of them. The staff votes represent that. Personally, for me, I narrowed it down to Cassidy, Dominic, and McAfee. Um, but I'm curious to see your take. 
I like Cross as well, but again, he definitely is on the outskirts. Uh, so it comes down to Cassidy, Dominic, and Pat McAfee. The one I and I, I as much as I want to just tee off on Dominic, the realization is lately he's been more of a background character than a foreground character. He's very much at this point they've they've shown him off. He's not going to wrestle as much anymore. I'm sure he'll be on TV when he needs to be, but he's not important anymore. It's Buddy and Aaliyah, and then of course I'm sure something else will you know happen there. So me for me it boils down to Orange Cassidy and Pat McAfee. Now. As much as I was going to laugh at Orange Cassidy, I was actually thinking about laughing at Pat McAfee harder originally when you see it. But here's the thing. He did a great job in NXT. He's the person everybody talks about in NXT for whatever reason, right? Orange Cassidy, for you know, he had his moment with the mimosas and did a great job with Jericho. Um, but again, once he did it, like the next week it was like he was facing somebody of the dark order. It wasn't like there wasn't anything accumulative to what he did. Like he turned up and showed out and did a great job, but then they didn't do anything to continue that momentum for me. Pat McAfee, at least for me, like you can say what you want, but for me, Pat McAfee, surprisingly, every single time he's on my television, it's like getting a seven course meal. Like he just keeps shoving things down my throat that I'm just like, this is great. And so I'm trying to think to myself, is there anybody better than Pat McAfee that showed up this year? I think not. Pat McAfee gets my golden knocker because he just, out of everybody here, he literally took NXT from kind of here, put a rocket strap up, then started talking about it. Because a, a punter, a punter, as you said, talk of the town, a fucking punter. I, I can't get over it. So he's my newcomer of the year, folks. He's a good bronze medal for me, honestly. And like bronze I said, I think medal? The top three are close. Bronze yeah, medal. Yeah, well, there's so many. If you look at the staff votes, you're the only person who voted for McAfee. So, you know, the rest of us have them probably two, three, or four. But, you know, like I said, all these people are very deserving. But for me, he's a bronze medal because to me, it came down to Cassidy and Dominic. And honestly, I voted for Orange Cassidy, and he got the staff pick as well. But the reason why I voted for him is because he was consistently on TV the entire year and involved in feuds. He wrestled Cody. He wrestled uh, Jericho. He beat him twice, didn't he? At least twice. He's always, like, every week when I watched AEW, like, obviously there was Britt Baker who was one of the highlights and other things here. But consistently, I never want to miss an Orange Cassidy match or moment. Because even for a guy who literally supposedly does nothing but just, like, you know, veg, because that's, like, his character, is he doesn't care and he's lazy, he was some of the most must-see TV in AEW and in all of wrestling this year. And so for me, that's why he's my newcomer of the year. He blew me out of the water. He made me a fan. Like, he became one of my favorite reasons to watch on Wednesday nights. And that's sometimes hard to do because there's a lot of good acts there and people that I like. But it just, like, to me, he blew my expectations out of the water, which I think the my top three here all did for all the reasons you said. And that's why I think they're all deserving. But for me, Cassidy, like, I think the consistency is what wins out for me. Because, yeah, McAfee's great whenever he's on television, too. Dominic as well. But it's just, like, the consistency of Orange Cassidy to not lose me, I think needs to be applauded. And I'm a fan for life now. No matter what they do with him, I'm always going to care about Orange Cassidy. Hell, I want to buy his orange shirt. I think it's pretty dope. You know? Maybe I'll, I'll, I like doing sunglass things too. I like going like this. I like chilling. I like vegging. I like putting my hands in my pockets. The first time I saw him do the suicide dive with his hands in his pockets, my jaw dropped. I was just like, it's just like, it just, it looked cool. Because it was a, a move that I hate. But the way he did it was just so different and unique. And I was like, 
this is kind of one of the only ones I want to see now because it is so different than the standard. And it just like, it fit the way he is because it's that guy that doesn't really ramp up unless if he has to, but when he does ramp up, he goes all out. And as we saw in 2020, he kind of wrestled better than I thought too. And I think he's going to continue to get better. So Orange Cassidy, dude, you're my newcomer of the year. Best friends. Mimosas for everybody. Michael, what's our next category? Best repackage. Akira Tozawa. Ninja. Britt Baker. Asshole heel. Jey Uso. Serious single star. Seth Rollins. Monday Night Messiah. So since it's 2020, JC, we have all been in quarantine and because of this COVID thing, a lot of us have had packages, but not a lot of people have been repackaged. Much like the four people in this category, best repackage, we have, you know, Akira Tozawa, the ninja, Britt Baker, asshole heel, not my comments, yours, uh, Sirius Uso, Jay Uso, main event Uso, and the Monday Night uh, uh, Messiah, Seth Rollins. Uh, I think all of them are amazing uh, for best repackage, but here's my thought right here, right off the top. The ninja, part of 24-7. Good stuff, funny stuff, but not to me the seismic shift that some of these other people have done. So... He's on the outskirts. Britt Baker, as we talked about, asshole heel, very well done. Jay Uso, main event Uso, surprising that I'm going to remember it's Jay Uso for the rest of my life now. Like I always, Billy and I would always joke, he'd be like, Nestle doesn't know which Uso is Uso. They're twins? Yes, I didn't know. I'm sorry. Now I know. I will always know Jimmy and Jay apart because you just know now. They did a great job repackaging him. But to me, repackaging isn't just an attitude. Repackaging is a whole encompassing feeling. A whole rebirth. Like, literally might have started over kind of thing. So for me, Britt Baker's close. Jey Uso's close. But there's only one Monday Night Messiah, folks. And honestly, he changed his hair. He changed that he had a weird bomber jacket. He had a different song. He portrayed himself differently. His promos were different. I thought for every reason, every reason I could think of when it comes to repackaging, this man checks so many boxes. As much as I give him shit, because our boy Danny Grinwood would, Grinwood would sit there and give us shit every fucking week. He'd be like, Danny'd be like, come on guys, he's great, he's great, he's great. Till finally this fucking thing happened, and yeah, Grim is right, right, man? Like he's, he's right. The Seth, this is like the Danny Award, because Danny all year on was such a, a, a Rollins honker that he was just like, you guys don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Finally, we all smelled the roses. And now, and me, I think there's a possible set of knockers coming his way. Because I got one, and I think you're going to give it to him, too. So, um, the biggest thing that you didn't mention that he changed was he went from boring, and I didn't want to watch him, to one of the most interesting things on my television. It's just like, Seth Rollins, like, I don't know, it was. I think rebirth is the perfect thing, because we see it all the time. And that's another reason why I think this category and then the next category are very exciting. It's like, you know, people, like, when they're around for a long time, things get stale. Maybe their attitudes get stale. Maybe their work ethic changes. Or maybe they just get comfortable, and they're still working just as hard, but they're comfortable in what they're doing. But sometimes change is good. And this category represents that because you're looking at four people that change something about themselves in a big way. And, yeah, Seth is getting my knocker. Absolutely, because he was by far the best reaper, repackage of 2020. And he turned into something that was, like I said, I didn't want to watch to something that I wanted to watch. He's uh, he's getting a, a bunch of knockers tonight uh, as part of the Messiah feud with the Mysterio family, but they're all well-deserved because he had a great year. Jey Uso, obviously, the shift for him has been great. 
I've loved it. It's good to see him take it seriously because a lot of the times when you see a tag team person go down, the other one doesn't really get used. I think it's amazing the way they've done it. Britt Baker. I can't say enough good things about her. She's one of my most, my favorite things to watch in AEW, much like Orange Cassidy. They're honestly two of my top probably consistently besides Cody of the year over there in AEW. And the reason, I curious is, oh, I'm glad he's on this list. And I'm glad someone on the staff gave him a vote because that the ninja thing, it just like, it's it's so entertaining. Even when it's bad, it's funny. He's done a great job with it. He's all bought into it. Like his mannerisms, like everything he does with it has been so good. So, but yeah, unfortunately for them, it is a runaway by the Monday Night Messiah. But that does not mean that their repackages were not great. They just weren't the greatest. Now it's time to get some comeback. Comeback of the year. Bobby Lashley. Edge. John Morrison. MVP. Ooh, yeah! WrestleMania. We just talked about repackaged. Another category that is very similar to that is comeback. Because as you know on the program, you know, the comeback can be your choose your own adventure. And so is the knocker. It could be someone who literally comes back. It could be someone who maybe started to get good again. It could have been someone who literally was like, you know, it just wasn't doing something you like, and now they're doing something you like. That's my favorite part of this category. And it's the actually the only category in the comeback because it literally dons the name. But as you just heard, the nominees, we do have three people that did return in Edge, John Morrison, and MVP. But Bobby Lashley also in this category because, you know, it represents the other sort of comeback where it was like something you weren't interested in to something that you are. Him being part of the Hurt Business has been phenomenal for his career. There was earlier in the year in 2020, WrestleMania that you wanted Bobby Lashley to be WWE champion. If that doesn't deserve a comeback on its own, I don't know what does. Well, look, I, I, I'm very excited for all this, but I will tell you this much. Edge, yes, it was a comeback, but then he's gone. So for me, like, it depends on how you feel about the comeback. Like, is the comeback basically the duration of the whole year and showing, like, progression throughout the year? Like, are they just getting better and better and better? Or is it that single solitary comeback? Like, is that that moment? And you can do it any which way, like you said, choose your own adventure. For me, exactly. for me, I look at the comeback differently. I look at it like this. Did it happen? Was it a fluke? Was it a one-off? I used to have somebody tell me that was, you know, training me. Do it again. Make sure it wasn't a mistake. It could have been a fluke, right? That I did something correct. This, to me, is kind of the same thing. Edge came back. I was very excited for him. Then it kind of teetered on this whole, like, oh, my God, a nine-minute promo. Enough. You know, stuff like that that we were already kind of, like, fatigued by it. So he's out. John Morrison, yes, he's a great number two and great at what he does with The Miz. And it's fun to see him do his things. But he's not, in my opinion, the comeback of the year. To me, it boils down to Bobby Lashley and MVP. And honestly, you can't have a comeback for Bobby Lashley without MVP. I think MVP gets my knocker because, because honestly, he came back at the Royal Rumble. We are like, oh, fuck MVP. And as you discussed in this program, JC, you didn't like this guy back in the day. And now you're a Hurt Business guy. You got a gold standard t-shirt, a Shelton Benjamin t-shirt in 2020 because of this man. So, honestly, I think he gets the golden knocker. I think he should get all the knockers, honestly, folks, because he's single-handedly taking an entire division with him and just pulling the reins during a COVID era. So, honestly, if you don't give him a golden knocker, JC, I am going to come through my little FaceTime thing here and smack you in the face. So, we're looking at the staff vote. Um, this was, the, the by far, the biggest landslide victory. MVP got 87.5% of the votes. But one person voted for Edge. Whoever that was, shame on you, because it was not me. I honestly, when we were doing this category, like, I've known I was picking MVP for this category for a while, 
But I was so curious to see how people voted. I'm like, am I going to be on an island with this? Because, like, I really, like, I think he's changed the game for so many people. And like you said, like, I remember when there were the rumors of him coming back and they had, like, his name with the Royal Rumble. Everyone was complaining, like, MVP sucks. We don't want MVP. Wait, wait, wait. He sucks. I never want to see him again. This is stupid. This will be done. What a waste. What a waste might have been one of the best like returns hires for wwe as a business in a very long time because it's all about what he's done for everyone else did his little story with apollo with the back and forth wrestling go on too long probably but it also like put apollo on the map and now look what happened he gets away from mvp he hasn't really been able to stand his own two feet again but it's just like mvp has been the greatest talent enhancer for this company in a long time on screen. You talk about Bobby Lashley, the only reason he's really in this category is because of MVP. Shelton Benjamin, my boy, is relevant again. He's a tag team champion again. He's on my TV every week. He's wrestling every week because of MVP. Then you look at Cedric Alexander. Always been a guy that's been near and dear to my heart. Never really been able to punch through that glass ceiling. Well, now he's a tag team champion and getting to do some of the best character work he's ever got to do. And it, you know, it makes some people drip drip. It makes me kind of drip drip too. Like, I love it. And it's all because of MVP. Before Mustafa Ali took over Retribution, MVP got him involved and got him back in our televisions before he was able to lead his own faction. So just across the board, like what MVP has done for WWE and more specifically the Hurt Business and Monday Night Raw and Apollo Crews and everyone around him, it is without a doubt 100% my comeback because I like he just when I think about one of my favorite things from 2020, it was what MVP has done for the business. And I'm so thankful for that. And he deserves this set of golden knockers just as much as anyone. So, MVP, you're also getting JC's golden knocker for comeback of the year. Eight sets of golden knockers. I am, my jaw is unbelievably on the floor. Unbelievable. But anyway. We are now in our Watch final. Watch him bounce, baby. Watch him bounce. Get those knockers. Finish. Hit me with that big finish, Michael. We got three categories left. Match of the year. Men's Royal Rumble match. Royal Rumble 2020. Charlotte versus Ripley. WrestleMania 36. Intercontinental Championship Triple Threat Ladder Match. Clash of Champions 2020. Bailey versus Sasha. Hell in a Cell 2020. <laughs> so, Michael, thank you very much for reading those, but I haven't stopped laughing because we were talking about knockers, and then you told Michael to finish him. And I'm immature. I'm laughing, but I apologize. You can uh, run through the matches here of uh, what we're going to pick. We have the Men's Royal Rumble, Charlotte and Rhea Ripley from WrestleMania. We've got IC, Triple Threat with Sammy. AJ, and of course, you know, somebody else in that matchup I'm not going to name. And and Bailey and Sasha from Hell in a Cell. For me, as I talked about, as much as I thought, I think this is going to be one of those moments where everybody hates me, but that's fine. Uh, This is our program, so we can can make the rules up. I don't really care. Um, I probably voted for Bailey and Sasha and Hell in a Cell, and I'm probably going to pick that. But let me walk through this very quickly. Charlotte and Rhea Ripley. Not the best when you think about the women's match of the year. I thought Bailey and Sasha did better than Rhea and uh, Charlotte, in my opinion. Seriously. What? What's that face for? I'm just saying. Because I just, I, I don't, like, that was oh, one of the matches of the year. Was Bailey and Sasha better? I don't know. But they're neck and neck. All right, well, I think Bailey and Sasha was better than Charlotte and, and Rhea, so they're out. The IC Championship uh, title match was great. 
But the only reason I'm remembering it is because of the finish with the handcuffs and the all that stuff with the ladder. Like, the, re the rest of the match was great, but we've seen so many kabooms with Jeff Hardy. It starts to get repetitive in my mind, so that's out. So for me, it comes down to the Royal Rumble and Sasha and Bailey. Now, 50% of the staffers had picked Sasha and Bailey, so I could go that route. However, I'm going to go out on a limb and say my pick for the Golden Knocker is this. The men's Royal Rumble match, because in my opinion... It was the best Royal Rumble match I have seen in at least 10 years. I thought Brock Lesnar had a great job. They set Mac up perfectly. Everything about that entire match was a roller coaster. The fans were into it. It was amazing. And honestly, I think it, it showed because this is the only match in the category, in my opinion, that had a crowd. And you could feed off that emotion. You could feed off of all these things. So for me, I'm picking the Men's Royal Rumble to get my golden knocker. So no one's funny that's Slovenia? What? Uh, TJ is going to be really mad at you because I was the only one who voted for that match. Yeah. And uh, you just picked it, which means you changed your vote, which is hilarious. But we do that all the time. I'm honestly, I think I've probably done it today too. But uh, so yeah, I'm, my my pick originally was the men's Royal Rumble match for my match of the year. And it still might be, but like you, I kind of got to walk through it now because I'm starting to question things. I love the IC triple threat ladder match. It was amazing. But I'm going to put it in fourth year. Um, I probably might have had a higher originally, but I'm putting it in fourth. Um, Charlotte Rhea Ripley was exceeded my expectations. It was amazing for something that people didn't want to be good because they wanted Charlotte to fail. It was still amazing. The Bailey Sasha Hell in a Cell standard one on one match. That was probably the best one of 2020, though. I do give it the slight edge. But will I also change my vote and pick it to beat the Men's Royal Rumble match as match of the year and get my golden knocker? Wow. I don't know. I'm going to think about it here for another minute and think about it. Because when I look at that Royal Rumble match, like, let's kind of relive it here. It was amazing. Because I loved the Brock Lesnar stuff with him just mowing everyone down. And I love the moment where you had Kofi come out. And we were getting excited. Like, finally, Brock and Kofi in a ring together after Brock squashed in the previous title. Like, there were all these little things. Like, even, like, Shelton came out. Like, this and that. It was all, all sorts of cool things with Brock Lesnar. And that really led to what you gave your golden knocker for moment of the year was which was uh, McIntyre eliminating Lesnar, which was incredible. And it was part of this match. So, yeah, of course this is right there. And then obviously just like going all the way through, all the fun stuff. Keith Lee with Brock Lesnar. What did Brock Lesnar say about Keith Lee? He's like, he's a big motherfucker. Yeah, look at this like, big motherfucker yeah. right here. But, like that stuff is, there was so much good. <laughs> there was so much good stuff. So, will I also change my vote? Yes, I will. Because you know what? Thinking about it more and more, that was amazing. But the Royal Rumble, they kind of get a handicap. They get an unfair advantage because there's so much that happens there. Same with the ladder match. So you know what? To even it out, I got to dock a few points. Because Bailey and Sasha, to me, in terms of like standard matches, because we got another category coming after this, which is different, which they would lose to, my winner in that one. But for this one, for regular match of the year, I'm going to change my vote. And you know, it's a Bailey, Sasha, hell in a cell. I can't believe you changed your pick. I can't believe you changed your pick. Well, no, that's acceptive because, I, I mean, I everybody calls me flip-flop or nestle anyway, so nobody would expect anything that's out true. of me. But no, but they expect you to have your flag in the sand, my friend. But you flip-flop for the first time in opera, Knocker history. I think you did. I think you did. The first time, probably not, but first documented time, probably. Sure, fine. <laughs> flip-flop all you want all the way. We got two categories left. Michael, hit us with the next one. Cinematic match of the year. Boneyard match. WrestleMania 36. Firefly Funhouse match. WrestleMania 36. 
Stadium Stampede, AEW Double or Nothing 2020. House of Horrors match, NXT Halloween Havoc. Cinematic match of the year. JC, this wasn't even a thing. Hopefully it's not a thing forever, but it's a thing because of what the circumstances are. Uh, Four things that I thoroughly enjoyed. The fact that they went out of the realm of what wrestling is, live, you know, camera switching it is, to a single shoot kind of thing, to make it more feel like you're watching a, a cinematic universe in WWE, which I'm sure they all love, even in AEW. Uh, they did a great job, and NXT as well. I personally love all four of these guys. Uh, that I just I love these matches very much. I think honestly, all four of these have very good reasons for being cinematic match of the year. The Boneyard match with AJ Styles and the Undertaker, Firefly with John Cena and the Fiend, Stampede, the 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 friggin' Stadium Stampede was hilarious to me. House of Horrors with Grimes and Loomis. Honestly, I did not expect to even be that good, and it was. So, I gotta say to you, this is hard for me to pick. Actually, you know what? I'm lying to you. It's not. House of Horrors is nice. It's a good mention. Stadium Stampede was great for different reasons. I thought it was a lot of fun. That's out of there. We're down to Boneyard and Firefly Funhouse. For me, I am gonna be on an island by myself. I am gonna give my golden knocker to the Firefly Funhouse match with John Cena and The Fiend because here's where it boils down for me. The Undertaker, thank God he's gone. Thank God he's done. This is a stamp of approval. Get the fuck out. You had a match. Everybody's going to kiss his ass, say this is the match of the year, yada, yada, yada. You know why everybody's going to give him this? You know why everybody's going to say this is the match of the year? Because they don't want him to fucking come back. That's it. If he has the match of the year in his own mind, he can never come back. So that's why everybody's going to give him the match of the fucking year. But here's where it boils down to me very quickly, JC. Cinematic match of the year made me feel like it was a movie. Yes, both of these. But here's where it differs for me. The Undertaker had to leave on his bicycle on the way out riding out like a cowboy. But on the difference, John Cena, this potentially could have been his last match as well. You know what he did? What you should have done in your last match? You look up at the lights and you put somebody else over. So for me, John Cena went out the way you're supposed to. And he put over The Fiend in what I think was a great match with all these little Easter eggs. And I can't believe that anybody in their right mind would pick the Firefly, sorry, the the Boneyard over the Firefly Funhouse. Because honestly, John Cena did great. The Fiend did great. And honestly, I'm going to be talking about this a lot longer to me than the Boneyard match. Honestly, I think uh, having AJ Styles' stupid little hand at the end and being buried alive and showing up like a week later, to me, was erroneous and stupid. So that's why I feel that the Fiend and the Firefly Funhouse... It was longer than a week, but whatever. Okay. You're done now. 75% of us all agree that it was the Boneyard match. That was my pick. We had this debate after WrestleMania. It was great. If you want to relive it for the full debate, go there. But WrestleMania, this was the match of the year. We literally had to split the categories because there was too much good stuff, and Boneyard would have cleaned up no matter who it was facing. So we wanted to kind of give equal representation, and there was enough nominees, so we did it. We also made it because Firefly Funhouse wouldn't have been in the Final Four for match of the year because... It wasn't really a match. It was great. I loved it. It was amazing. It's neither a great was, number neither two. Was like neither was the Boneyard match. Neither was the Boneyard match. It was a real match. No, it was there wasn't. Wrestling. It was like an outside tree fight. It was amazing. Now, hold on. Much like you, the Firefly Funhouse is a good number two. But when we're talking number one, we're no, talking no. about the Boneyard match. AJ Styles and The Undertaker was an incredible story. It was a incredible match. The cinematics were amazing. It was everything it needed to be and more. And you said John Cena. John Cena is not done. 
he'll be back. And you know why he put Bray Wyatt over? Because it was a Firefly Funhouse match. It was his match. Bray Wyatt's supposed to win it. In a Boneyard match, AJ Styles isn't supposed to win. Fuck the you. Undertaker's supposed to win. They're in a fucking Boneyard. No, fuck you. You're an Undertaker shamer. As someone no. who is an Undertaker shamer, this was the this was the best thing the Undertaker has done in like a decade. It was incredible. It was the perfect way to end him riding off in the sunset like it was supposed to be. It's over. It's great. It was literally perfection. This was the match of the year. It was the best thing of the year in 2020. It was beautiful. It was amazing. And the fact that it involved The Undertaker and it's me talking about it, you know it's true. 75% of us are all in the right. If we put this out on Twitter, it'd be 100% probably, except for your one vote. So you know what? It's okay that somebody to take an Elvis. It's okay. You enjoyed the Firefly Funhouse more? It was great. I loved it. It was amazing. It also was one of my favorite things, but it wasn't the best. The best with AJ Styles and The Undertaker in a boneyard. Boneyard you know, things, baby. You know why you're an idiot? Because The Undertaker has almost... You check all the facts out because you're a, you're a fucking filthy casual fan. You're not a hardcore fan. The Undertaker loses specialty matches all the fucking time. So that argument is erroneous. Yeah, but no, he's erroneous. never the Boneyard match, which is his match. And the Boneyard match is supposed to be a buried alive match, but Wait, they didn't call it my, that. This is how I know Ugh. I won. Because whenever you go full Todd and spawn up the word filthy casual, it's like, I won the argument. Because he doesn't have a comeback except they're trying to win. I'm trying to educate you. I'm trying to educate you. It is okay. No, it is not okay. You're literally fighting vehemently for something where the majority of people all pick the bone. I don't care about the majority of people. Exactly. So there. So you're, it's okay. You're in the minority. It's okay. No, it's not. You a great number two. Some of us pick winners. And that's me just like the prediction. Boneyard match. No, that's Boneyard. Ray. Ray is Still rolling away. away with this thing. Anyway, look, I can. No, I, can I want his tears, baby. You know what? You know what? Just because of this bullshit, I'm gonna make sure that Ray wins. I'm gonna. I'm gonna somehow fix this so that Ray wins. That's right. That's why we have TJ keeping score because you are. TJ can't keep numbers correctly. We've cheater. already seen that. We've already seen that he's no, fudged the numbers. TJ, T- I believe in TJ. TJ does everything great. He was our BCS guy. He helped with this and the percentages. TJ's never made a mistake in his life. Even when you try to cheat. You love TJ. TJC, baby. TJC. Put it on I a fucking t-shirt. Appreciate, I appreciate TJ and what he does for I appreciate I'm sorry TJ. that your hatred runs so strong for everyone. Well, you know what? You're both jobbers. And that's our final category, folks. Michael, hit us with the final category of the year. Jobber of the year. Akira Tozawa. Lana. Leon Ruff. Red Velvet. Jobber of the year, folks. We are finally at the last category of 2020. We have four, four, count them, uh, nominees for Jobber of the Year. We actually hold this as the most prestigious being the Jobber Knocker podcast. We think this is the best, most important of the year because, honestly, we wouldn't be our namesake without Jobbers and uh, Enhancement Talent because we think that they get underutilized, no pun intended, to what the category was earlier. We want the Jobber to feel that they get their just due, and that's what we do this year on the podcast, we have Akira Tozawa, Lana, Leon Ruff, and Red Velvet. Honestly, JC, for me, this is a runaway. I think this is an easy layup. I think this is as easy as it gets. Akira Tozawa, yeah, might as well have been part of the jobber title. Might as well have been a stupid runaway with that. But honestly, it's not. Alana? In the table? Eh, she's lost a lot of matches. She's been kind of like the pity party, in my opinion. That's okay. Leon Ruff's been doing great stuff. Red Velvet has been losing literally every match we've ever seen in her life. But honestly, to me, 
Leon Ruff went from jobber to champion. And then, honestly, you can say that that's the opposite, but I think that literally just shows us he captured our hearts so much from losing, losing, losing to getting a fluke victory, believing he could beat Johnny Gargano and Damian Priest and being put in a terrible position and losing it almost instantaneously. And now he's going to go off and do his own thing. He maximized his minutes, as we talk about on this program, was what a jobber does their best, when an enhancement does its best. You maximize your minutes. And I think out of all these people, in my opinion, maximizing your minutes, Leon Ruff captured my heart, captured everything that I could think of and think this guy right here is the is the embodiment of jobber of the year. Nobody comes close. So my golden knocker, the most important golden knocker, by the way, jobber of the year goes to Leon Ruff. So in WrestleMania, Leon Ruff has been on this list pretty much since the inception. And that is because this guy was on Raw, putting people over. This guy was on SmackDown, putting people over. This guy was on NXT, putting people over. He he rallied, could have even been on AEW for all I know. I don't even know. But he was literally everywhere. He was on this list before he won the title. But then he won the title. And it, like you said, became a runaway. Because he has encompasses everything you need. And the way he was the champion... So like the belt falling down his legs, they're just like, it was beautiful. Leon Ruff is one of my favorite things from 2020. Like his story of how it started when he was just literally on every show, just losing to people. I was like, oh my God, there's Leon Ruff again. It kind of came like a joke. It was like, Leon Ruff's everywhere. But the fact that he won the North American title and was involved in a storyline with Johnny Gargano and Damian Priest made it so much sweeter. And obviously like you look at past champions of this award, like Jake, Rick Mavericks. I've been my Titus O'Neal uh, when our first ever big debates was between him and Ellsworth. Uh, there's there's been some great winners over the year for Jobber of the Year, but this year it goes to Leon Ruff, and this one will always hold a special place in my heart because no matter what this man does in the future, I have become a fan for life. From what he gave us in 2020, he went above and beyond what he needed to from start to finish, making everyone better, including himself. So yes, Leon Ruff, you get the final set of Golden Knockers, baby. Nine sets of golden knockers, folks. Unbelievable. 18 categories, nine that we agreed on. So half is 50%, not bad. Uh, your final thoughts of 2020, JC? Anything you'd like to say to everybody? I'm glad that we're putting 2020 behind us. It was obviously a very, 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 very hard year for a lot of people for tons of different reasons. Um, there obviously there's always positives where there's negatives. So try to focus on those, whether it's relationships you've made or changes in your life that you've made or big moments in your life that have happened to you and the friends and family and all those people that you get to spend it with. I'm thankful to have, have all you guys as listeners, to everyone on the staff for being more than just fellow staff members, for being friends and really keeping our love and that torch lit for how much we love wrestling. Having a group of people to talk with it about it is the best thing about it. It's the camaraderie and the community. And we're so thankful for all of you. Um, and 2021, without a doubt, will be a much better year than 2020. I echo those sentiments. And honestly, there's so many people that we could thank and take forever. But just the staff in general, with TJ doing yeoman's work on the website and NXT, I give him a lot of shit. And he always does it with a smile. Our boy Danny's been there for since day one-ish. And like I love those guys. So they're awesome. Just Billy always being a good guy. Uh, getting the additions of, you know, Dom and Danny, like that, that was a huge thing for both of us, just getting a different flavor to the whole thing and creating this little army. I mean, literally Ray Ray doing his thing, everybody just pitching in that I could think of, especially our boy, Joe Pollock, who just does, you know, I mean, just, it always does everything with a smile and he's obviously close to me. So I love everything he does, but there's just so many of us that have chipped in 
um, and making this job and thing a huge family for anybody that listens. Uh, you know that, that we're having fun here. We don't monetize it. We just do it for fun. This is what we love to do for a creative outlet, at least for me. And, um, we thank you for all the support. We know this year has been awful for a lot of people. And I really, truly hope that you all can just, just enjoy next year and that we have a lot more fun to continue. Cause I think big things for the job are going to happen. So with that, let's leave 2020 behind and we will see you next year with more and better Jobber knockery. <laughs>